Empire. The Warriors are in a golden era, not just a golden state. 30 years ago, um, the, the, the fans, the, the team was supported by local fans, and, uh, and the partners and the sponsors were local sponsors only. Today, uh, we live in a very different world. Um, the Warriors have fans everywhere in the world. I mean, they are, they are half gods in some countries like Philippines. They are, they are superstars in Eastern Europe, they are superstars in Western Europe, and, and all this is a um, new area of, uh, uh, of communication for, for those teams. That's Jamela Goa, CEO of Viber. Intercontinental fandom is here. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Viber has 1 billion users, which is a massive audience for all teams to attempt to mine, including dynasties like the Warriors. We'll get more into this new level of engagement in a bit, plus how big tech is helping train the LSU Tigers football team as they continue that quest to figure out how to get by mighty Alabama. But first, the future is now. In the sports media space, gambling content is in the midst of a gold rush as platforms and companies are trying to figure out how to disseminate gambling information and programming. So when FanDuel, the fantasy sports giant, opts to partner on their gambling products, it's worth asking who their partner is. Brandon Costa is the director of digital from the Sports Video Group, and he joins us now. Hey, Brandon, how are you? Good. Hey, Graham. Thanks for the time. How's it going? Uh, Fubo TV gets the deal with FanDuel. So let, let's start with them. Who are they? Well, Fubo TV, they're uh, one of many. I know it can be a complicated landscape right now for the average consumer, but one of a few uh, sizable, over-the-top live TV streaming services that are kind of out there today. Uh, uh, you know, up against the, some of the, uh, you know, some of the similar combinations like the Flow Sports of the World, even YouTube TV, PS Views, all different ways, basically a virtual MVPD uh, in industry terms. But in layman's terms, a way for you to cut the cord while still kind of keening some of the channels that you like, especially when it comes to sports, uh, it can be really difficult for a sports fan to cut the cord, if you, especially if you're an in-market sports fan who wants to keep their local sports. Uh, Fubu TV, uh, Fubo TV rather, is one of the ways that you can do that. Uh, they're one of the rising platforms out there, and, and this partnership with FanDuel is certainly an interesting one because none of the other virtual MVPDs have an exclusive deal with a gaming company uh, as of today's recording. That could certainly change by the time you hear this. <laughs> so why is FanDuel working with them? Uh, I mean, I think that there's, uh, I mean, FanDuel is getting, has been pretty aggressive so far in partnering with various different uh, uh, media organizations, leagues, whatever it may be. Uh, I mean, I think the idea of a virtual MVPD and getting in front of people who are cord cutters who, and speaking very generally here, uh, you know, tend to be a little bit more tech savvy, tend to be a little bit more modern in the way that they consume their media. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of crossover uh, with people who are avid sports gamblers uh, in that kind of cross-section. So I think that there's a desire to kind of have uh, also the kind of creative outlet to try some new things that maybe can't necessarily be done in a traditional television environment right now. Uh, you know, Fubo offers a really interesting opportunity to kind of create unique content aimed directly in a direct-to-consumer environment. So I think that there's the uh, exciting opportunity to maybe try some things here that maybe couldn't fly elsewhere. And, 
and this is probably premature to try to guess what the content consists of, right? I mean, we, we don't know what they're about to put out. No, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of. Fortunately, there's a lot of infrastructure here as far as you know, horse racing goes. I mean, there's a lot, you know, the TVGs of the world where some of that content can be played in. Are we trying to grow the pool here and take people who maybe haven't bet anything more than oh, my team's going off at sixty to one in the Super Bowl and I happen to be in Vegas? Sure, I'll throw a hundred bucks on it. Uh, how do we tell them the differences between spreads and over-unders and things like that? Or how much are we trying to educate a new audience? Uh, in this partnership here, I would have to imagine specifically with Fubo, uh, there's probably an opportunity to more do more things for uh, you know someone who's a bit more of an experienced gambler. What are the next dominoes to fall in the gambling space? What are you hearing out there? I, mean, I described this earlier as a gold rush, and it really feels that way, that everybody's trying to figure out their niche in all of this. So, so what do you expect to happen here? Yeah, I mean, you've seen already up to this point, all of, if not most of the major sports leagues in the United States have already aligned with a casino partner of some kind, be it Caesars or whatever it may be. Uh, So those kinds of corners have, for the most part, been selected. You'll continue to see some of those loose ends get tied up. Uh, And then on our end, you know, at Sports Video Group, we're really interested in kind of the technology and the infrastructure of what goes on into creating live sports. Uh, right now, there's casinos across Vegas where studios are being built for programming that will air on ESPN Plus or Bleacher Report Live or uh, Fox Sports Go. Uh, all these various platforms are going to be kind of creating their own studio shows. I think the thing that's important thing to keep in mind from a, a grander perspective is that there's a, a very large ecosystem at play here. Uh, to see this continue to grow. You'll see some very easy gambling kind of take place. I know the one area where if you want to talk about a gold rush that people are really excited about is what you see over in a lot of in Europe, which is, you know, in-game wagering. You probably still have a little bit of a ways to go for that. I mean, you've got leagues implementing player tracking and artificial intelligence right now, be it MLB or what NHL was doing at the All-Star game this past year. They're using those systems to now hopefully officially score many of the regular season games in the future. So you've got a a technology that's actually making the rulings on who got that goal, who got that assist, whatever it may be. You've got technology vendors and massive streaming companies who are also still perfecting the delivery and the latency of the live streams. You can't have someone making a bet on FanDuel uh, you know, on Fubo or on, you know, making a bet on a Caesars on ESPN Plus and have them operating on different timelines. That obviously doesn't work. Uh, so all of that needs to be razor sharp before real-time sports betting can become a reality. But, uh, I mean, if anything's going to push those things to the point where they need to be, uh, it's going to be that gold rush and that pot of big pot of money that's out there that is certainly available to people. Brandon Costa is the director of digital from the Sports Video Group. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Up next, Jamela Goa on how Viber is bringing fans from everywhere, literally everywhere, together. Our guest this week is Jamel Agoa, who is the CEO of Viber, one of the world's largest mobile applications that allows people to make phone calls and send text messages to other Viber users for free. Hey, Jamel, how are you? I'm good, thank you. 
Can you give us a sense of the technology? How does it work? Well, basically, Viber uh, is, a, is a messaging app uh, allowing any people in the world to text or call to anyone else in the world for free. Um, the, the basic features are calling and messaging, but also the, the, the big features that are very exciting for users is the possibility to uh, organize group chats, communities, which is unlimited group chats, of course, and then uh, to interact with them uh, without any limitation in terms of um, in terms of uh, time or, or volume of uh, data exchange. And it works for video, it works for voice, it works for exchange of media, exchange of um, um, video call, um, files. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a typical um, OTT service, um, over-the-top service, um, meaning uh, everything is going through, uh, through Internet. So what separates you all from others that, that do this type of service? Um, first, we are one of the very limited number of companies being extremely global. We have um, one billion users around the, around the planet, so, um, and we are almost in every, uh, in every country. Uh, the second thing is we, uh, we are very extreme, uh, extremely secure kind of technology. We, um, we apply by default what we call end-to-end encryption, which is the ability basically for users to be sure that the people that are reading the messages are only the, the sender and the recipients of the messages and not the, anyone in between. We don't use the content of the messages to make any money with it. And third, we have uh, the specificity to have uh, uh, no limitation in terms of group chat that we can organize, which is extremely useful, especially in the, in the world of sports fans. Um, in uh, all of the platforms, you can organize discussion with um, up to about a couple of hundred people uh, which is very limited for um, sports business, for example, or sports clubs. We have the ability at Viber to organize a group chat that are unlimited, and we have a, a lot of group chat that are over uh, several millions of, of users that are interacting on the same topic. It can be, uh, for example, uh, the example of the, the football club, the soccer club, let's say, FC uh, Barcelona, was a group chat of about 3 million people following it, participating. And they were doing this, what, during matches or just at all times? Um, it's, it's always open, and there are different kind of experiences that we can build with this tool. Um, the, first, uh, the first experience we can build is uh, what we call the one-to-many and many-to-one. Of course, we are used to uh, the Instagram experiences where celebrities will talk one way to their fans. At Viber, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a two-way discussion. We can organize chats with celebrities, sports champs, for example, players, coach, uh, president of clubs or whatever. Uh, they can they can chat with their fans directly on live. Um, it's a very different experience. It's uh, basically we put in contact people that are anywhere in the world with uh, the, the 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 champs or or the club they're the team they support. Um, we also have the ability to create many to many interactions. And this uh, is for example fan fan clubs or fan fan groups that are organizing large uh, communities to discuss about their favorite team. And this is mainly used as a second screen during games. Uh, you can see that, for example, you have, you know, you're watching a game of the Warriors, you're by yourself in your living room, and you have some exciting moment, and, and you want to share that, is uh, your emotion with someone, and sometimes you have some friends available, sometimes you have not. And if you have, not, if you have no friends available, you can, group, you can uh, uh, join this group chat and then uh, interact with other fans watching the same, the same game at the same time. Um, you, um, so it's the kind of experience we're trying to build. Yeah, you mentioned the Warriors here. Can, can you go into detail about what the partnership is with the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, it's a strong partnership. So it came initially from our mother company, Rakuten. Uh, Viber belongs to Rakuten, a Japanese group. Uh, um, and uh, Rakuten signed um, a sponsorship deal with the Warriors two years ago 
Um, they became the, the jersey sponsor for the Warriors. Um, and within this partnership, uh, Viber became the, the, the social network, the official social network, social platform. And we have built with them different kind of experiences. Uh, the first one is a um, is a is a community where uh, the warriors um, are able to post some uh, specific content that they are not using for the channels, um, for the for the fans. And the second is a is a gamification that we have been uh, created with them, based on a chatbot technology. So if if you want, I, I could come back on the, what the chatbot is. But basically, it allows the fans to um, uh, interact with the warriors content, and they are. They have different experiences. They have a trivia, for example. They have they can answer questions and win some uh, some rewards, some prizes. Uh, they have some content of the previous games. They, uh, they have uh, um, the ability to uh, participate into uh, some special events, uh, and all this is uh, within the within the app. And I think most people who listen to this will know what a chatbot is, but for those who don't, will you go back to that and explain what that is. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's an automated one-on-one uh, -on -one interaction. So it's basically a chatbot will be like a virtual user that uh, every user will be able to interact with, uh, just like in a one-on-one -on -one chat, uh, except that it's a software. And uh, this uh, this chatbot will uh, will uh, answer um, um, uh, to the to the user, uh, just like if it was a real person. And uh, it is used for example in uh, for customer support or or. Q&A uh, for some, some some users, and in the in the in the in our example here for the Warriors, we're using it to, um, to create some uh, uh, virtual interaction with uh, with the Warriors based on some kind of some some, some sort of gamification. So um, take me through the view of the goals of the Warriors when they come to work with you. So here's this extremely popular, extremely successful team that has a large fan base yeah. around the world now because of their recent success over the last five, six years. Um, what are their goals in trying to build this with you? So the goals is that um, it's, it's exactly what you just said. Um, if you look at the history of the, the, the NBA, for example, the NBA has been built on, a, on a, some, some sort of franchise system, very local. Um, so uh, every uh, 30 years ago, um, the, the the fans, the, the team was supported by local fans, and uh, and the partners and the sponsors were local sponsors only. Today, uh, we live in a very different world. Um, the Warriors have fans everywhere in the world. Um, I mean, they are they are half gods in some countries like Philippines, uh, so far from from from, from here. There are there are superstars in Eastern Europe. There are superstars in Western Europe, and and all this is a um, new um, new area of. Uh, uh, of communication for for those teams, and uh, um, today, until to, until recently, those teams were focusing their energy on their local fans, on their local partners, and on some local activities. Um, we what we bring here to the table is a, is a new way to address this uh, wide audience that they have everywhere in the world, and sometimes those audience this audience is coming from um, is coming from players. Um, if, when, for example, two years ago there was an Israeli player at the Warriors, and uh, this this guy is uh, Uri Sharpie was the was the, the best player in the history of Israel, and uh, and then the Warriors became extremely popular in Israel, um, just because one player came and then he came he came with his fans. So this kind of uh, situation is now here, and uh, they have to handle it and and address those fans. Until today, the NBA was is selling the rights of the of the game broadcast to different channels everywhere in the world, but this is not enough because uh, in a lot of countries, the uh, access to the, to the TV uh, to the pay TV programs is very expensive, 
and a lot of fans cannot afford it. So they need to find other ways to uh, to get in touch with these uh, with these teams, and that's what we bring. Um, we meaning the, the social networks, because we bring the ability to uh, to connect uh, a fan from Indonesia to his uh, superstar in San Francisco. So are they are they finding that these people already existed and didn't know it, or are they cultivating new fans by the outreach? Uh, a little bit both. I mean, um, it's true that, for example, in Philippines, there's a long tradition of basketball. Basketball has always been popular uh, uh, for long, and um, and this is something that uh, that uh, the, for example, the Warriors have been trying to to address for a long time, and they've done some some efforts. Um, but we and and we bring a, a bigger reach uh, in this country. In some other countries, they really honestly discovered with us their popularity in some countries like Russia, for example, um, or other countries of Southeast Asia. Um, countries that uh, NBA and the Warriors never really fostered completely. And, and then they discovered with us that when we launched some uh, some assets with them, they saw, for example, their stickers downloaded by uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, Russian fans. And they, they really discovered uh, their, their, their potential there with, uh, with the, our partnership. So outside of, of where they reside, um, what can teams and leagues learn about the fans who are aggregating to this platform? They leave a, um, so they learn a lot because it's a, it's a, it's a personal and a, um, a personal interaction. So they learn a lot about the, the type of content they consume. Um, and we have, we have tried a lot because it's, uh, all these are news experiences for the last two years. So we have tried uh, different things like, uh, one-on-one chat with uh, some uh, some coaches, some players, um, summary of the games, uh, behind-the-scene content during the practice, um, games, etc., uh, etc. Et so we we are trying a lot of uh, different experience, and we tr- and, and then and then we, we we see what kind of experience is most successful. So they learn a lot about the type of content that these uh, these people are are looking for. Um, they also give get the ability to interact with people that are not. Uh, native English speakers in some cases. Philippines is okay. A lot of people are speak, speaking very decent English, but in Eastern Europe, it's not the case. So um, to get access to uh, to this market, you need to solve the language issue. And a platform like Viber, for example, with uh, an automatic translation feature, which is embedded, uh, it helps. Uh, it allows to uh, simplify the, the production of the content and simplify also even the one-on-one interaction. I mean, uh, on Viber, for example, a fan can... Um, raise a question in, in write a question in uh, Serbian and this question will be translated automatically in English and vice versa so it, it creates new kind of interaction so uh, it, it's a complete new um, new segment of, the, of of promotion for the sports business that we are that we are bringing to the table and uh, it's so new to be very honest that in the in the example of the NBA the legal structure of the NBA is not completely ready to grasp this opportunity Um the NBA has, uh, has been built in a, in a very kind of uh, network of franchise with uh, some uh, geograph- ge- geographical limitation that are still uh, um, active now. And sometimes we, uh, we have uh, we have some limitation because because the, the legal constraints on the NBA do not allow to promote everything we could do um, with our platform. Uh, it's it's a problem that we don't have, for example, in Europe with uh, the professional soccer. Um, it's, it's easier to, to, to promote our operations because there is no such a limitation for FC Barcelona or, or the partners we have in the, in the, in the rest of the world. Uh, the NBA still need to adjust their, their legal structure to, to grasp this opportunity. Do you expect they will do that? <laughs> it's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, 
they say they want. They say they uh, they they understand that uh, they, there is a that their power is actually much bigger than than it, that they've imagined, and then they have a lot of potential that uh, they have not achieved yet in some countries. Um, and BA is a complex organization with a lot of um, a lot of uh, legal constraints, um, which moves at, um, at at their own speed. Um, I hope, yeah, um, I, I I think so. I don't know at what speed they would be able to do that, but uh, but uh, I think so, yeah. How about other American sports leagues? Are, are you working with any of them yet? No, not yet. No, no, no. We we work in a lot of sports, uh, but not in America. And, uh, we have some, uh, some some partnerships in with the cricket leagues, for example, in uh, Sri Lanka and India, and we have uh, a lot of a lot of other sports here in the world. We have more than fifty partnerships, uh, sports partnership in the world at Viber. So um, take me through because you've, you've mentioned two major brand names, the Golden State Warriors, and you've detailed some of the legal issues about around what you're trying to do to expand with them. And you said that's not the situation with, with FC Barcelona, which is one of the major soccer powers of the world. Um, why is it different in Europe? So we, there, there are a couple of uh, differences between um, between the, so the soccer and, and uh, the soccer in Europe and the basketball in the U.S. For, for example, the, the, the players... Um, in the U.S., the NBA teams don't have a lot of rights on the players, except the the rights to play basketball. They don't have a lot of marketing rights. Uh, they cannot engage the players in some activities that are um, without the full agreement of the player. Without if sometimes even a different contract. That's one limitation because in soccer in Europe you can you can uh, sign a contract with the, with the club and uh, and you will get some uh, some time of the players uh, with it. That's one thing. The second thing is there is no geographical limitation. I mean, for 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 FC Barcelona, the, their 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 game is uh, their their garden is the world. So they they don't see any limits in their potential, and they really want to. Uh, they were interested in to 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 grab fans in Eastern Europe, Southeast Asia, in Japan, in China, and everywhere. And 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 that's what they do aggressively. Um, they understand the power of merchandising and the fact that they can sell a lot of uh, jersey anywhere in the world. Um, and this is, a, this is a real objective that they have. So those limitations not being there, we, we are able to create operations like, for example, putting, putting put on, uh, online a young Indonesian fan with Leo Messi, uh, and they can have a family chat um, recorded um, in their own language, by the way. Leo Messi only speaks Spanish. He doesn't like to speak English. <laughs> and uh, and the, the young Indonesian fan will speak his uh, Indonesian. So we, we can organize this. And without... There is no limitation, neither in terms of uh, on the legal side, nor in, nor in terms of technology, and it creates crazy experiences, right? When you imagine a 15 or 16 years old in Indonesia who is able to just talk five minutes about with Leo Messi, it's, it's, it's something insane. So, so we create this kind of experience, and for example, recently there are three fans, one from Algeria, one from Armenia, another guy, and another guy from uh, um, uh, Southeast Asia, um, have been won the the the, the, the annual uh, contest that we organized on the the, the FC Barcelona chatbot, and these guys have been invited um, as VIP in Barcelona for a game. All this was recorded. All this created content for uh, their own countries, and then and then the FC Barcelona increase its own footprint in those three countries. Um, so it's, it creates a it creates a much more um, it, it increases the potential of the of their of their marketing power. It's fascinating. Um, I'll leave you with this. So you guys are really recreating fan engagement in in five ten years. What is fan engagement like in sports? I think it's a, it's a, there is a big change now. There are two big changes. First, the, the fans are. I mean, when I was a kid, I was I was I was following only my team, my my town team, and um, 
And now the kids, they are following players. Um, now, when Cristiano Ronaldo moves from Madrid to Torino, he brings with him his fan. When LeBron James moved from Cleveland to to Los Angeles, he brings with him his, his fans. And then, and then the, the, it's very uh, it's very different for for the, in terms of uh, in terms of supporting. So 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 fans can be anywhere, and, and 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 fans can move as well. I mean, they also move with their with their business and with their own career, which makes that you will have a lot and more and more and more. Uh, fans of a guy playing in Los Angeles that are live in New York, in Paris, or in Berlin. Um, so this is the first big difference. The second big difference is, I think the fans have, have seen too much of uh, this um, always the same super brewing interviews post game. Uh, we played well. Uh, we did great. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a great. We did a great work team, and uh, and we're going to be uh, very uh, focused on the next game, and blah blah blah. All this kind of uh, typical bull that you hear maybe 50 times a week if you if you watch uh, live sports is a bit boring for fans now, and they really want to have different kind of interaction. They really want to have uh, more uh, realistic interactions and, and more behind the scene kind of interactions. Um, they also want to uh, they also want to recreate uh, the ability to 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 chat with their with all the fans. Um, much easier, much quicker, um, and, and not only in their in the in the bar uh, down the street, but also anywhere anywhere um, from their living room at any time. And these create different kind of interaction, different different kind of behavior for fans that we are here to support. Uh, I'll just defend my my sportscasting brethren. We're trying our best here with those interviews. They refuse to give us better answers, but we're really trying. We've been trying for years. I, I know, <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So many contracts, so many, yeah. so many, <laughs> so many constraints that are, that they have in their, in their personal contract with their teams and sponsors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It, it became a little bit. I mean, I'm a tennis fan for long. I, I tend to I tend to work with John John McEnroe <laughs> when I hear Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. It's you know, it's always the same wording. It's. Uh, and I know it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> We're try- Listen, we've been trying our best forever. They have been coached up, but maybe maybe your platform will allow them to loosen up and be themselves more, which is better for everybody. Uh, Jamel Ago is the CEO at Viber. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Coming up, Brooks Cabana takes us into the bayou where the new secret sauce for the LSU Tigers starts in the weight room. This is the Future Sport Podcast. documenting all of the tech that is coming into data collection and wearables and all of the ways the teams are building themselves but it shouldn't come as any surprise that it's found itself into the strength and conditioning programs as well brooks cabina from the advocate joins us now hey brooks how are you hey i'm good bram how about you man good what's going on at lsu well lsu has uh, added a new piece of technology to their weightlifting program um, it's in the trial stage still right now. They only have one device, but it's it's called a perch. Um, and what it does is basically you have to understand kind of different parts of workouts. You know, there are things that we're more familiar with, like, uh, you know, bench press and just kind of going from like 185 to 200 to 225, that kind of thing. But there's another thing called, you know, power training, which basically to – um, go through it is how how fast are you lifting weight and that has a lot to do with 
it translates easier to the field. You know, it's how, how, how are you jamming a, a receiver or blocking a defender or whatever you're trying to do in football, it goes that way. Basically, what LSU's done is uh, try and use this new technology called the Perch, which is a lot like Xbox Connect. It's a camera that sits on top of the weight rack and is calibrated to re- recognize the barbell. And whenever you do any kind of workout, it senses how fast the bar is moving. And there's a lot of different things it does as, it, as the workout goes on. It records all of the data. It records all of the video. And it combines everything to, into charts and graphs and things that allow Tommy Moffitt, the strength and di- conditioning coach at LSU, to easily prepare more power-type workouts for the players when beforehand it just took forever. You had to write down all the numbers. You had to write everything and put it into the computer. It's, it's a more efficient way to do it. And they're so pleased with the trial run right now that they're working with that they're uh, planning to have 22 of these devices by July. So they're very ahead on the curve on trying to uh, make these power-type workouts more efficiently in the country. How do they believe that helps them on the field? The more efficient part is you know how to adapt quicker. So beforehand, you, you, everybody's been doing these power-type uh, workouts for a long time, but the data is what helps you understand where your players are at. You can kind of tell whether one leg is stronger than the other in, in power or in, in maybe one arm is going one way or the other. It's just adapting quicker as the day goes on. You know, you, after the workout's over, you can prepare something quicker for the next day. So how it helps them on the field is you only have a certain amount of time during uh, workouts in the off season or even workouts during the season that, you know, you can cram more uh, growth out of strength and power um, in, a, in a smaller amount of time. So you, every strength and conditioning coach is looking to make their team more powerful, and this is one way that they can do that. Um, you and I spoke before we started taping, and you said that LSU is pretty cutting edge, um, that they are kind of ahead of the curve of maybe some of the other major programs down in the SEC. What, what did you mean by that? What I mean by that is, is I, it just seems that every everything they do is you know new and something I hadn't heard of before. And I, I've, I've been around a few programs, and you know, I talked to others as well, but I mean, for example, um, a couple of uh, at the end of the football season, there were two players who had torn their ACLs. One was Jamal Pettigrew, and the other was Caleb on Chason. It was the last week of the season. It had been I don't know four months or so, but here was Jamal Pettigrew practicing with the team. I was like, well, how is he practicing with the team? It's been four months. You know, normally with ACL tears, it takes about nine months to get to full recovery, and then at the football game against Texas A&M, the last regular season game, Caleb on Chason was, you know, running around throwing the football. There were videos of him on Twitter, like sprinting. And I know you can sprint whenever you have a torn ACL, but still at the same time, it's just like, you know, something's faster here. turns out that they were working on a new study that they've been doing for 15 years, just a new type of, you know, ACL recovery. And it had to do with the surgery. They take a piece out of the hamstring instead of what most people do is take it out of, uh, the the knee tendon and replace it there and there's some to make a long story short there's some risk to doing the hamstring but they've shown that it works faster and is just as strong and is more safer because it doesn't destroy your knees so that was just like one thing in in, in their medical side but there's so many other things that they do and and for that like it, it cuts down the uh, recovery time in ACLs by half 
and uh, you know makes it just as safe. And that they're, they just took it national. There's some other programs that went across many sports medicine fields, and many are trying to change now or considering change when they may have not before. You know, that's kind of the culture. What LSU has done behind the scenes is really embrace studies, anything that can improve the athlete um, and the program, they're going to embrace. So they're a really interesting program to be around if you're interested in sports technology. And you can read more about them from Brooks Cabina, who writes for The Advocate. Thank you, Brooks. Thank you, man. That will do it for us this week. Remember, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.